Amen. There we go. So, um, woo. Good morning. Good morning. It's 78 degrees outside. Praise God for fans and air conditioners and for church. Yeah. So last night, um, my wife and I went to this marriage conference. We were invited to by my brother and then his wife. It was that first Christian. Uh, and it was marriage night 2019. It was cool. At Francis Chan, had this uh, comedian, reminded me a lot of Marcus, the same kind of mannerisms, told jokes the same way. There was like those awkward silences where you're like, should I laugh at that? It was really good. But one of the things that was talked about was how males and females have different brains. Scientifically, females have a thicker connection between the two hemispheres. It's called the corpus callosum. It's thicker. She said it's like a super highway, constantly information going back and forth all the time. Males, we have a me corpus callosum. It's very thin. She said it's like a one-lane country road, like barely any traffic. We can only do like one thing at a time. So Corey did tell me that there was going to be a video, and then I was supposed to come up, but my little one-lane road, was there was a tree in the road, so the information didn't flow through to the other side. So, so that's, what that, that's what I got from the conference, yeah. No, it was just... It was a really good conference. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was really good. So, um, so this morning, I, I, I get the, the privilege of continuing in this series we've been in. It's called Love Lies, and, and this is because allergies. I don't want to sneeze and hit you guys in the splash zone. Um, but, but this morning, we're continuing in this Love Lies series. And essentially, if it's your first time here, just to give you a little quick recap, um, as the video said, the devil has been engaged in a misinformation campaign since the beginning of time. Since Adam and Eve, the first lies that he spoke there was that, hey, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. And God doesn't want you to be like him. So really, you should eat of this fruit. And that was the first lie that he told. Since then, he's been on an incredible campaign of trying to sow lies throughout the history of the church in all of humanity, whether you were claiming to be for Christ, claiming to be for God or not. And he's been incredibly successful because people buy into, we buy into those lies all the time. The series, we've been addressing those lies and, and trying to combat them uh, with biblical truth. We're going to the Word and saying, this is what God says that you can combat the devil's lies with. And today's lie that we're going to address is... I don't have to go to church, right? Like, I don't have to go to church. Now, if you're here this morning, you're like, hey, I'm here. Back up. I got up. I came to church. Stop talking to me, right? If you're listening on SoundCloud and you're feeling convicted, okay, feel convicted. <laughs> Come to church. But my, my first question is, why are you here, right? It's a nice day. Like, everybody, we get it when it's winter and it's bad out, and you're like, well, guess I might as well go to church, feel happy. But it's a nice day, it's good weather, cookouts could be happening, mowing lawns, there's important things that could get done. Why are you here? Why do we go to church? Because the lie that the devil has placed in our minds and throughout all of history is I don't have to go to church, I can experience God in other ways. I can be spiritual in other ways. I don't like the establishment of the church. You know, that whole hierarchy thing, I'm a free spirit. I don't like to be caged up 
sitting in a chair listening to someone tell me what I should be doing, right? That's the lie. The thing about it is the time we're living in is a fascinating time. It's convenient for us to be able to receive the Word of God in many different ways, to be able to receive sermons and messages, be at home, laying in your bed, and say, you know what, I'm going to pop on a sermon right now. I'm going to listen to to T.D. Jakes because I'm feeling like I need to be inspired, right, or or something like that. I'm not endorsing any specific person, by the way. It's just who popped up on my mind. We live in a time that allows us to have that convenience. You can have that access. You don't have to come here. So I commend you. Thank you for coming because... You know, what you're doing is you are actually adding to the movement. You're, you, you are being obedient. You woke up and it wasn't by accident. You have been obedient and you are here to, hear, you, you are here to listen to the word of God. And that's what, we're, that's what we're about. When you come to church, it's about elevating God. So I want to I encourage you that, yes, I'm not going to beat you up. What I'm going to do is, is tell you why you should continue to go to church. And then beyond that, why you should engage deeper in the church. That's what we're talking about today, to combat that lie of I don't have to go to church. Now, like I said, at home, you can sit at home, order on Amazon, the essentials of life, bacon-flavored floss. You can, you can get that. That's a real thing. It's like $1.99 plus shipping. Um, you, can, you, can, you can get things that are not necessities, like you can order a tiny house, literally a tiny house. In case you think your house is too big, you want to live in a smaller house, you can get a tiny house right? You can order all these things online. You can get access to these TED Talks and sermons and messages. So again, I ask you the question, what are you doing here this morning? What did you come for? What did you, what got you out of bed to be here this morning? I don't know about you guys, but my, my church experience um, was, was one of these things that was like, it was like mostly boring. So I'm going to try not to be boring. It was mostly boring, like in childhood, right? Because um, I was a pastor's kid and a minister's kid. It was mostly boring, sometimes enjoyable, and always mandatory, right? Like it was like Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, occasionally Sunday singspiration. Yes, that's a thing. And then Saturday morning prayer breakfast, which I can't lie, that was like my favorite thing because they had these cheddar eggs and this bacon. That was like, yeah. But church Church, church was like, was like something you, you went and you were engaged with people. You talked with people. You, you commiserated. You, you, you like told your life. You, you, you had to tell about your life because you had these grandmas and grandpas like, what's going on in your life, right? Like that was my church experience. So to me, to sit at home and not engage in it is weird. But I'm going to give the, the benefit of the doubt that we all maybe have approached or have different backgrounds approaching church. And what I want to do is go to Acts, verses, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. That's where we're going to start this morning. Because I don't want to try to answer the question of why we should go to church when we have a perfect blueprint in the Word of God. What I'm going to do is something a little different because I want us to all stand up. I, 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 I love to listen to a couple different pastors, Ravi Zacharias, uh, Eric Mason. And I'm, I'm going to steal this from Eric Mason. One of the things he does with this congregation, they read the first passage out loud together. So... I'm going to have you turn to your Bibles, look in your Bibles if you have them. If not, look up at the screen. And we're all going to read in unison, unified together at once. On three. One, two, three. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, 
and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers in one place and shared everything they had. This is the word of God, and it is true. You can have a seat. I'm going to pray as we get into the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we've been able to benefit from the centuries of the gospel being spread out in the world because of a a few faithful men and women that decided that they were going to be obedient to your call to go and make disciples. And Lord, we get to benefit from that. We get to experience uh, not only the, 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 the wonderful nature of community together, but we get to experience eternity because we believe in you because someone was obedient. And so, Father, I pray that as we, as we combat this lie from the devil, that we don't have to gather together, we don't have to go to church. Lord, I pray that you would speak your truth, help me to get out of the way, open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so in Acts 2, this is what's going on. Jesus has ascended to heaven. Now the church is forming together. It's not even known as the church yet. Peter is, is there and he's starting to begin. He's been told he's going to be the rock. He's going to be the cornerstone. He's going to be the founder of the church, essentially. And so he's preaching a message, and he, he's preaching a message right after Pentecost. Pentecost was this celebration that the, the Jewish people had. And the celebration, at the celebration, all kinds of Jewish people gathered from different places. And they were gathered in one place, and the Holy Spirit fell on them, and there was tongues of fire, and there was all kinds of crazy stuff going on. The people were like, what is happening? They started speaking in tongues. Interpretations were happening. People were saying, these people are drunk. Peter's like, no, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They can't be drunk. Who gets drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning? Right? They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's telling them these things, and he preaches, goes off on this incredible message that basically says why God has been faithful, how he has been faithful, and why Jesus was the culmination of everything that God had planned. And so we find ourselves in Acts 2.42. And what's happening is they're gathered together, and they are experiencing the best kind of community possible. They are completely selfless. They are completely in it together. There's not one person who's got their own agenda. They are there for the mission of God. This is the blueprint. This is the reason. There's, there's a couple things that stand out. A deep sense of awe. Miraculous signs and wonders. They shared everything that they had and they gave to those in need. They worshiped together. Ate together. Amen. Praising God. Enjoying the good will, will of people. And this is the important part. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship. Now, I know that we've got this conception of churches. While you come, there's this structure, there's a couple people that are leading the thing, and you're there to kind of spectate, right? And, and, then, and then from there, uh, more people come because it's so attractional and so cool. There's awesome worship, awesome. Not, no, no, no knock on you, uh, worship team, Black Oceans, you guys are awesome. Nobody holds a candle to you. But, but you, we, we have this expectation that the reason we come to church is because it's this attractional, awesome thing that feeds us. And that we need to build better structures and have more attraction to bring more people in. No. The Lord added to their fellowship as the people were obedient to Christ. That was the only thing that grew the fellowship was these people were obedient to the calling of Christ together. And from that, it was so mind-blowing that people were like, I need to be a part of that. And so their lives were transformed, their lives were changed, and then entire communities were changed. This is the gold standard in Acts 2 of what church looks like. Now get this, even with a gold standard, like three chapters later, you start to see deception, dissension, 
theft, disorder. You know why? Because human beings are involved and people start to get their own agendas. But when you go back to being obedient to Christ and letting God spread you out, then it's a movement that's bigger than a building. It's bigger than a a location. This is the blueprint. And even with the gold standard, the blueprint, you have that human, that human aspect, that human concept. And so humanity is wicked. You know, church is wicked. People want your money. We talked about this first lie Corey preached was, the church is only after my money, right? That's a lie that's out there. Well, oh, the church is so broken. It's so, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Yes, those are lies that the devil puts out there because he knows that they, they work against us. And so you still have that question, why why should I go to church with all these things stacked up? Yes, that was the blueprint, but even they were messed up. So why should I go to church? So I texted a few of my brothers yesterday and said, hey, what's the reason you go to church? Tell me, just like share with me. And I'm hoping some of you can resonate with this. One of my brothers, um, James Talbert, he said, uh, because Jesus loves me and has forgiven me. And he calls me to gather with his people to learn and grow. I love that. My other brother uh, said, I, uh, so I never overlook or take for granted how much God loves me and my family. I got a, a friend in Virginia I went to high school with. Uh, he's an FBI agent. I mean, on the low, uh, he's like one of those friends that you keep close because you're like, I might need to like, have access. You know, like, I love him, dear brother, but it's also really dope that he's an FBI agent. And he said, uh, because iron sharpens iron and, and for praying and uplifting each other in God's word. And then finally, my, my older brother, uh, Derek, said to fellowship with other believers and encourage each other in drawing near to God. Amen. Now, the, I hope some of you resonate with that. And in case you don't, in case you're like, nah, neither one of those, none of those really jived with me. I'm going to give you five, five reasons from Scripture why my church is, is crucial to the movement of God in this world. As we go through each one, if you're writing down notes, please write it down. Take what you can from it. Because I I really believe that it's important to understand what this is about. It's not just about coming here and listening to me or Corey or whoever happens to be up here talk to you about what we've spent time in the Word for. It's about something beyond that. It's about how you can engage deeper. Because without that that deeper engagement, we wouldn't have this. We wouldn't have church. We wouldn't have the movement that's gone beyond church ages and generations and and persecutions. Like, it wouldn't be there. So I want you to think inwardly, how can I engage deeper as we're talking about these reasons why church is important? First reason, to remind each other of the truth. Everybody say, the truth. truth. Everybody say, the truth. Okay, so there are a lot of truths out there, and I'm, I'm quoting, I'm using air quotes, SoundCloud. There are a lot of truths out there in the world. Like the church in Acts, like the church in, in Colossae, like the church in Ephesus, like the churches all throughout history, they were confronted with many truths. These were very nice-sounding things, high, you know, I mean, this is philosophical stuff, like, ooh, that sounds smart. I want to be a part of that, right? Lots of truths, but these truths are empty. These truths sound good, but they have no substance to them. They're empty. They, they don't lead you anywhere. In Colossians 2.8, it says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies that come from human thinking. Amen. But gather yourselves together, right? We gather ourselves together to devote to biblical teaching and to combat confusion that can come from what we call multiplicity. It's like multiple mindsets. 
Somebody who's a schizophrenic doesn't know where they're going because they have different voices telling them where they should go. They're going here, then they get told, oh, I should go here. And they're like, oh, oh, I should go here. So that's why when you see somebody who's in a schizophrenic episode, they're, they're like disoriented. We don't want to be a schizophrenic church. We want to be rooted in the truth. I don't know how many of you guys heard that Kanye is starting a church. Who's heard that? Who's heard that? Don't anybody applaud for that. Nope. Somebody was thinking about it like, oh, maybe. Nope. Don't do it. Kanye, one of the most prolific artists of our time, right? He's, he's, he's a musician. He's dope. He's a, he's a great rapper, right? He's also sick. Like, he also needs, like, like he, I, I really believe, my wife and I were talking about this. She's a mental health therapist, and I trust her because she knows her stuff. This dude has, like, bipolar manic tendencies. Has anybody ever seen that? Like, like, he, like, like he's, he's very successful. Bipolar manics can be very successful, Right? But he also like, thinks that he's received a special message from God to establish a church in which we, people wear beige sweatsuits, and he has these things called Sunday service, and then he sells his sweatsuits for like $225 a piece. Like, that's not cool. That's, don't, don't start a church, Kanye. Just go to church, right? Amen. Kanye needs to hear this message. Go to church, Kanye. But these things sound good, and the media is out there like, oh, Kanye, he's, he's transforming his life. He's trying to live in his faith. No, he's trying to start a cult, Right? Those are things that sound good. They sound really like, oh, we should be supporting this. Get rooted in the truth because they, the, the Bible will tell you that you will not, do not be deceived by things that sound good, but instead be rooted in the word. Don't go to Kanye's church. The second point. We come to church to be reminded of the eternal hope of the world. We come to church to be reminded of the eternal hope for the world, and his name is Jesus. I'm going to say this pretty bluntly. Corey already told me that I'm long-winded, so I'm going to try to keep it short. Be very blunt here. All right. Jesus is the eternal hope of the world. There is no other hope. (laughs) All other hopes are temporary and will fail you in some manner, either here on this earth or after you die. There is no other hope. Jesus is the hope of of the entire world, of all of creation, of all time. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to God except through him. He said this very plainly in John 14, 6. Jesus is gloriously, gloriously inclusive, meaning that he, he opens the gate to everyone. It says, everybody, you can come. You can experience the Father's glory. But he's also wonderfully exclusive, saying, I'm not going to confuse you by saying there's a bunch of different ways. I'm going to tell you, I am the way. Because if you had the truth and you were not telling the truth, would that be really loving? If you knew the way to heaven and you weren't telling, you were telling people, well, there is a way to heaven. I'm one of those ways, but there's a couple other ways that you can get to heaven. Would that be real love? Like you guys can figure it out. Or would you say, hey, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's love. He is the eternal hope of the entire world, period. The third section, the third reason, if we're looking for five reasons, the third reason why we should go to church is to encourage each other and prevent staleness. Uh, Who who here is eating stale chips? Isn't that, that's the worst, right? Like you, you're hungry, you're going to the pantry, you're like, I'm going to get some chips. They're going to be crunchy and salty. You get that bag and you open it. And you dig in the bag and you pick out the chip and you inspect it. And you're like, this is a good chip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy you, chip. 
you pop that chip in your mouth and you're expecting that, and instead you pop it in and you go, the worst. Like you look around, you try to find another one, and just disappointment after disappointment. And you're like, I'm not, I'm not even hungry anymore. I'm going on a fast, Daniel fast, 30 days. We come to church to prevent staleness. We don't want to be stale chips. Jesus uses a different analogy. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And in that time, salt wasn't used necessarily all the time for for, for making food delicious. It was used for fertilizing the ground so that things could grow, so that life could happen, right? And he's saying, if you lose your saltiness, if you become stale as salt, then what are you good for except for trampling underfoot? That's what Jesus said. He said, you are the salt of the earth. I'm saying, you are the salty, crunchy chips of the earth, right? And, and you have this, this substance when you have Christ. And you, you have crunch. You have, you have bite. You have, like, you, in Christ, you can satisfy people's lives. You can, make, you, can make others, you can make others experience heaven by how you treat them, by how you approach them, by the things you do. But if you're not... If you're allowing yourself to become stale, meaningless, unsubstantial, dissatisfying, which is what we're seeing people now say is happening in the American church. About 20% of people say they attend church regularly. I'm going to give 5% a pass and say that they're lying. So 15% essentially are saying that they're attending church regularly. And you know why? Because, the, because we've lost We've lost our saltiness. We've lost our substance. We've become stale. We've allowed culture to seep in and make us stale. So by coming together, what we can do at church, by going to church, by being gathered together, devoting ourselves to teaching, lifting each other up, we we can call each other out when we see something that's not representative of the character of Christ. Hey, you know what? I see that in you, brother. That's not really, that's not who you are. That's not Christ-like. We can call each other up by saying, hey, I see you sitting there and you have these gifts and your talents and you haven't told anybody about them. Like, you have a desire to do X, Y, and Z, but nobody knows about. We can encourage each other so that we can stay fresh. We can stay vibrant. We can be alive. We can be life to the world around us. Calling each other out and up. That is why we come to church. That's a reason to come to church. I'm going to have us turn to Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. If you're sitting there thinking, I don't know where my place is in the church. Do I have a place in the church? Do I have a gift to offer? Do I have? Let's read. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Here we go. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, We will speak the truth in love. We call each other out. Growing in every way and becoming more like Christ, calling each other up, who is the head of the body, the church. Family, this is is why church works. 
when it works. This is why church works when it works, because everybody in the church takes ownership to say, God, who, who have you created me to be and for what is my purpose in the church? And then as we, as we confront that and as we wrestle with that and as we, we ask, hey, what do you see that God has put in me? As we, as, we, as we discover those things, then we realize that we have certain qualities that can actually complement others within the body. Not, we weren't meant to do everything. Corey was not meant to do everything. I was not meant to do everything. Garrett, Marcus, there was no one individual that was meant to do everything for the church. The church is all of y'all, all of us, united so that we can all mature. So we can all mature together. So you do have a place. You do have a place. You do have something to offer. Number four, I got, I got two more, and that's, that's, that's it for you. Hang with me. So number four reason, to be with our family. Number one reason we talked about, right, was to remind each other of the truth. Number two, to be reminded of the eternal hope of the world, Jesus. Three was to encourage each other and prevent staleness. Number four, to be with our family. How, now, now some, some of you have great biological families. I, I love my family. We're just a, just a crazy mess all the time. It's fun. It's wonderful. We're all over the place. Some of you have great biological families where you're like, this is awesome. I love it. Some of you do not. Some of you have grown up with biological families that disappointed you, that let you down. They weren't there for you. Maybe have abused you. Maybe have taken advantage of you. Those, those are the different dynamics that exist within a church body like this. That doesn't have to be the end of the story. Because the place that we are in right now is filled with people that, that can be surrogate mothers, surrogate fathers, surrogate uncles and aunts and grandpas and grandmas. People that fill those spaces that maybe have been a void in our lives. People that, that take the place of, you know what, my dad wasn't there, but man, this dude's a father figure. And I, it's cool, like God put this person in my life. I've got brothers, right, that, that aren't blood brothers, but man, like, I, it, it's, as if, it's as if we're on, like, Eddie and I have been roommates for, we were roommates in college for, for like three or four of the years, he would like room every once in a while, then he moved to Virginia, then he came back, and then he like, he lived homeless for a while, and then he like lived with, I mean, there's this, but Eddie's my brother. He's Mexican, I'm Kenyan. It just doesn't like, that there's no genealogical table that will tell you that that works, but in Christ, I am his brother and he is mine. Amen. I have found my family in church. And I'm encouraging you, part of the reason why church works, when it works, is that we can be family to each other. One of my visions for our church is that we would not only be a multi-generational, I'm sorry, a multicultural, multinational church, but that we would also be a multi-generational church. Yeah. Meaning that there are, there are grandpas, there are grandmothers, there are aunts and uncles and babies, and, and even if you're not related, you can still like, Amen. you can minister to each other, Right? Because I believe that the gospel isn't just for these little babies that were up here, right? It's not just for, for, for us who are in, like, maybe the prime of your life or working years or parenthood. The gospel's for retirees, too. I'd love to see a mission trip down to Florida 
to be like, hey, you retirees need to get off your butt and do something for Christ. That would be awesome. Go out and golf with them and be like, hey, let's, I'm going to take you down. We're going to go do some, some actual like, ministry work. That's my vision. How many of you would love to go on a mission trip to Florida? Yeah, I know, me too. I'll, I'll lead the trip. Um, last point, last reason, to be reminded of our purpose. Now, hang with me. If everything else I've said has been like, I want you to just hang with me right here, okay? Number five reason for coming to church is to be reminded of our purpose. Now, you, like I said earlier, you got up this morning, somebody prodded you up, alarm clock got you up, somebody dragged you over here, or you came over by your own volition, great, right? But there's a bigger purpose than just you coming and sitting in church to receive your holiness and to feel good about yourself. Very simply put, church is not about you. I'm glad you came. Please don't take that as like, oh, he doesn't want me here at church. Fine. Right? Church is not about you. Now, that's a really difficult thing to hear in a culture that says everything should be about you. Everything we see in culture says you should serve yourself, improve yourself, self-actualize, all of these things that say, hey, treat yourself. I love that, by the way. Treat yourself. It's like one of my favorite things from Parks and Rec. If you don't park Parks and Rec, people, woo-woo. Yep. Okay, calm down. Church is not about you. Who's church about? That's not a trick question. Who's church about? I know. It's like, is this really, he's like, this easy answer, Jesus? It's about you. Okay, Jesus. Yes. Church is about Jesus. Turn to Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. We read the first one together. I'm going to have us read this one together because I know you're getting sleepy and it's getting hot. So I need you to shake off the sleepiness. Let's read this passage together. On three, one, two, three. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you. These are the last words that Jesus speaks in Matthew before ascending to be with his Father. See, the purpose of Jesus has always been to be on mission with Jesus. The purpose of, of the church has always been to be on mission with Jesus. It's never been about self fulfillment. It's never been about making yourself better. It's always been about being on mission with Jesus. One of the things last night at the conference that Francis Chan touched on was this idea of marriage. Like he was talking about marriage, and he wrote this book, Marriage in Light of Eternity, right? And, and one of the things that he pointed out was him and his wife, Lisa, have been married for 25 years. And they've both looked at each other at different points and said, I can't imagine anyone who's happier than we are. I can't imagine anyone who's more fulfilled than we are. And they're not being fake about it. They're like pretty real up on stage. And here's the thing that he said. He said, look, we could make marriage about us. Like we could go to seminars and conferences, which we've done, but we could make it all about improving this relationship, right? And we'd have a, a really nice looking marriage. It would be a really, well, they've got a really nice marriage. Wow. How nice is their marriage, right? And that will be okay. 
But at the end of all things, at the end of eternity, they would have had a meaningless marriage. Y'all feel me? At the end of all time, at the end of eternity, if all they did was improve their relationship to each other, they failed. Now here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to take away. If you improve yourself, you are the best version of yourself. Man, I'm so giving, I'm so kind, I'm so loving, I'm so patient, it's not even funny. You improve yourself to the best degree of yourself, but you have not been on mission with Jesus, you have failed. If you make yourself a kinder person, better person, it's great, it's nice, but in the long run, our life is but a vapor, it's gone. And we have a split second to impact the people around us for the kingdom for eternity. And so if you improve yourself and you make yourself really great, good for you, but you failed. The only thing that matters is being on mission with Jesus. The only thing that matters is putting your life along with Jesus and saying, I want you to take me into eternity and then I want to take as many people as I can with me because that is what matters. If you do not believe in eternity and you're sitting here in church today, I want to tell you, get into your word. Read the Bible. Read scripture. Know Jesus well because what he wants for us is to be on mission with him. He wants you to be called into the beautiful redemptive work that he is up to. Our church is all about uniting, renewing, and restoring. Those are the things that we founded our pillars on. And so what I want to encourage you this morning is I'm going to take it down an octave. I know I've been kind of coming at you hard. Take a deep breath and realize that we are in this together and that God wants you to have a place in what he's doing. God wants you to have a purpose in what he's doing. God wants you to jump into what he's already up to and then watch him blow your mind. Marcus was up here saying, and I don't think y'all caught it. Like, like Marcus, Marcus has friends that have died because they have been enslaved to different substances. And by the grace of God, he's up here praying and, and teaching our kids because his life has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that's not powerful, it's not, if that's not miraculous, I don't know what is. And so if you're sitting here wondering, man, should I get involved in church? Yes. I've got a great idea of something that should happen. I guess I should keep it myself. No. I should start a small group. Yes. Like, those are things that, that's life, y'all. Like, that's what, church is about all of us moving closer to Jesus and then watching the absolute destruction of satanic powers around us because Jesus is on mission and we're jumping in with him.